On today's podcast, we're going to focus on transitioning into a new program and beginning your leadership of a new program. And joining me to discuss that is the head football coach, two-time state champion, over 300 wins in his career, the head coach at Brownsburg High School, John Hart. John, great to have you here today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be on. Well, Coach, the transition for you into head coaching happened at a, a very young age, and football, high school football America identified you as potentially the youngest football coach, head football coach in the history of high school football. You started as a head coach at 22 years old. Tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about. You know, uh, whenever I was going to to uh, college at Eastern Illinois, which is, uh, yes, they're, they're famous for, for having uh, coaches come out of that place. Uh, and uh, when, I, when I was there, my head football coach from high school had moved to Charleston High School. And uh, he, he uh, called me as soon as he got, uh, took the job and said, hey, I want you to come work for me. And, uh, and I was a junior, actually a sophomore in college and I started coaching for uh, Berlin Myers, who's a Hall of Fame football coach in the state of Illinois, and um, and learned a lot from him and Bill Munkin, who I think also is a Hall of Fame football coach. Uh, that great line of Munkin coaches, um, and uh, and it just kind of took off from from there, and and uh, that's how it got started. So, coach, at 22 years old, uh, you had to be excited. I'm sure there was a ton of enthusiasm for you. But as you got into being a head coach, what were some of the things that you figured out right away that maybe you had to develop a little bit more or things that uh, were challenges for you? You know, when I took the job at Edwards County High School in Albion, Illinois, they uh, uh, they had went, I think, two years without winning a game. One of those years, uh, they, they'd only kicked a field goal. Uh, so it was... It was virtually, and, and Coach Myers tried to talk me out of taking the job, but it was virtually the worst job in the state of Illinois at the time. And I think it's the only reason why a, a 22-year-old gets a gets a chance. And uh, uh, they were building a new school, so all nine of our games my first year were on the road. Uh, so there were so many obstacles. They didn't have a weight room. Uh, we didn't have a coaching staff. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think the staple of, uh, of the six programs we've taken over, we've tried to be better than all of our opponents and really hopefully anybody in the state. And, and, you know, now we're competing nationally uh, is that our off season program gives us a chance to win every ball game, no matter the level of, of talent, um, you know, and the last, so I've been a head coach 36 years. Uh, the last 32, we've only had one year where we weren't, we, where we didn't have a winning record and it was four and four and six. So looking at that, at that aspect of your program, certainly everybody wants that. Every, a lot of people say that, right? That we're going to outwork our opponents. We're going to do it better than our opponents. How have you been able to, I guess, make that something that when you say that, uh, that that's probably looking at the track record. That's that's probably true. What are the things that really go into it for you guys that, you know, make make that statement tangible? You know, uh, I don't read a lot, but if I do read, I read. <laughs> it's always about something in the the world that pertains to me, and and uh, uh, so I I spend a lot of time either at colleges or doing research 
about off season. And I, I kind of started it when, when coach Myers was kind of the, the, I don't know, the, the first person or the first uh, coach to kind of really start off season programs of anybody in our area at the time. So I knew then that that was the first thing I would have to do. And I had to teach myself. I didn't, you know, we, we really didn't have back then, you know, strength coaches and you didn't have a great resource, you know, to, to kind of learn from. So you were kind of, you know, back then, I think we used bigger, faster, stronger, just because I didn't know anything else and I could read it. Uh, but now today, everything's as much about speed and explosiveness as it is, as it is, you know, strength itself. So that developing comes in a lot of different areas and let alone team bonding. It's funny you bring up BFS. I think a, a lot of us, you know, co- who coached, uh, got their start back around that time that you did, uh, somehow came upon BFS. I mean, at the time, those guys were just doing a great job. It, it really helped you organize your weight room, get a lot of kids through, track things. I think more than anything, uh, I mean, I thought the programming was really good, but more than anything, I thought the organization is really what helped coaches and programs get the maximum out of their off season. You know, that's a great point. So with all the technology and stuff we have here at Brownsburg and, and we are the tip of the sword. I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty amazing. Some of the things we do and we have, um, and there's actually three of us in the weight room full time. We, we have about 650 athletes come in a day. Wow. Uh, and that's without after school. So we, uh, uh, so we train everybody, uh, but, uh, the technology and stuff was so advanced, but we constantly talk about the fact, uh, and we have about 11,000 square feet weight room. It looks like a, a college weight room. Uh, but when we were kind of in a dungeon, we were still getting results and it really comes to exactly what you said. It's tracking, setting goals for players and it's everything bigger, faster, stronger did. Now, I think there's some, some elements that obviously makes, you know, other programs uh, a little more advanced than, than BFS is, but it's really the same principle. You're changing your sets all the time. You're cycling and breaking records. Yes. And I think at the high school level, you know, it's, it, it becomes a little bit challenging because, you know, we all go out and we aspire to do what some of these colleges do. And we got to remember that a lot of what they do is designed for athletes who are farther along in their development. And maybe they do work longer cycles. And, and you know, I found, especially at the high school level, those shorter cycles work for a number of reasons. I, I think first and foremost, the, the intrinsic motivation. You have that kid, especially as you start a program. And I can remember this at, at a couple programs we were at. They hadn't really had a good program. They, they would show up, you know, weight room would be open. They'd show up. It was very disorganized. And now all of a sudden you provide this program, uh, very organized. They start to track their things. And, you know, the short cycle, the way those, the old BFS program worked, uh, really those guys started to see gains right away. And, you know, what, what brings you back to the weight room is progress. And so compared to the longer cycle, I think, really works, especially as you're saying in those programs that you're taking over and uh, transitioning into. There's no doubt. And uh, like I said, we, we have, uh, 
know, we use a elite form system now that, that, that came out of Nebraska and, and uh, there's so much technology in what you do now uh, that it's, it, it's fun. It makes the off season. I, you hear a lot of coaches talk about burnout. I think I'm a little bit on the opposite part of it is, is that it, I think if you, if you're tracking and setting goals, it kind of feels like football season all the time. You're just, you're just going in a different direction and developing athletes. Well, coach moving ahead now and looking at where you're at, at, at Brownsburg, you know, a program now who, I mean, there's high expectations there. Um, you, you've gone from being a coach who can come in and turn programs around. And now, you know, it's really about sustaining success. I think sometimes that becomes a challenge as well. You get a target on your back. Um, you can fall into uh, the trap of, well, this has been working for us forever. We'll, we'll just, we're going to stick with this no matter what. How do you balance, you know, that idea of this is what's worked with maybe staying top on some of the cutting edge things and figuring out how those might fit into your program? You know, uh, when they, when they hired me here at Brownsburg and, and, uh, you know, we'll kind of talk about expectations for me in a, uh, interviewing process, whenever I'm, uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've been a head coach of six different programs and other than the first job, I, I really was satisfied with the job I was at. I, I loved the job I was at. Then you have opportunities and you, then you decide whether you want to take those opportunities or not. But Brownsburg had kind of been in a void. They'd had three straight losing seasons. Uh, and to be honest, our, our schedule was uh, of, of smaller schools than us other than our conference. Um, in the five years we've been here, I think we've, we've won at least seven games uh, every year. We, uh, we beat St. X on ESPN. Uh, we've beaten Ben Davis two years in a row from um, one of the national prominent schools here in, in Indianapolis. So really what our goal was is as we flip things is that we kind of put a timetable on things. And uh, the first thing that I put the timetable on are, is, is numbers. And if you're going to compete in, in uh, big school football here in the state of Indiana, really anywhere, when you're competing against schools of 3,000, you know, numbers become the first thing. And our numbers had gotten pretty low as far as, you know, football players. So our first thing we did is we recruited, we recruited the hallways really, really hard. And we tried to get every kid to come out that could possibly – uh, have interest, and then the, you know the the next goal was is is setting clubs in our weight room um, and trying to get those clubs at a at a number that would allow us to win championships. Then you try to uh, you know get that staff that has specialties and everything where you can coach at a really really high level because man the coaches that uh, the people don't know Indianapolis football. It is some of the most competitive football in the country. And uh, I know people from Texas and Florida, maybe Ohio, maybe don't understand that. But if you look at the number of Division One athletes that come out of just the city of Indianapolis, um, I think Sports Illustrated ranked it as the number two metropolitan area uh, for recruiting at one time. Yeah, I know there's a lot of good football there having, uh, you know, been there just about monthly the last four years as as I had worked for USA football. 
Um, some really good coaches there too that I've been able to meet. Uh, focusing on a couple things, I got a couple follow up questions on okay. things you highlighted there. Uh, first of all, the the clubs. Talk to me a little bit about you know the the clubs that you set up uh, in in your training program. You know, uh, and I think it it varies on the size of the school. Like my my son is a head coach at Gibson Southern down in Southern Indiana, and has flipped that program. So his boards were a little less. So you get more names on the board than what you know what ours is. And uh, so I think you have to adjust that so you have goals because you want to fill that board up. If you don't fill that board up, it looks like you're not progressing much. So right. uh, so. For for us, it's it's two two hundred uh, bench times ten, which equals out to be two fifty five if you do it on that kind of that scale. So that's the very first board everybody tries to get on, and we'll average about thirty six kids on there a year. Uh, and then the second the second board that we uh, really are big on is the power clean of two thirty five, and uh, and again we'll average about thirty five kids uh, on that a year. So those are the first two clubs that we try to get everybody on. Then the 400 squat. So now you've gotten all three of the major core lifts. Um, and that's what we tell kids. We we want that balance. That we, we don't want somebody on the 400 squat that can bench 225. There should be, everybody should be really close in those numbers. So that total is the 935 club that we really try to try to get as many people in as we can. And we're going to hit somewhere between 15 and 20, but we'll really gauge. And, and again, Brian Neese, I think, is one of the best strength coaches in the country. Uh, he's he's really always looking for that balance, and uh, and so that that it's close in all those numbers. And then the last big one is a, is the 300 bench, and we'll only average maybe eight to 10 kids uh, on that 300 bench. Uh, but those are our set of clubs, and our goal is to always hit 100. So our kids know, hey, and, and we kind of set that standard. You can't win a state championship without 100 clubs in big school football, and uh, and and it's pretty it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that idea. I think you make a very important point. And just thinking back to um, my days as a head high school football coach, and some of the things we did is you're 100% correct is you kind of got to tailor that to where that school's at. You know, when you go in and, and we're going to get into your, your talk uh, at least the beginning of it about this transition into a new program. But I think when you look at the, um, the beginning of what you're doing, you really need to think about exactly what you said. How do we fill up that board? It's a motivational thing, right? It's in, it's yeah. in the player's psyche. I mean, if you go through months and nobody's on that board, it kind of becomes a demotivator. Geez, we're we're not going to be very good. And I, I can remember yep. back to a, a program we took over. Uh, really had to start from square one. Things had kind of gotten away from everything that was going on there, and uh, you know, not a great weight room. But we made the most of it. What we focused on first with so many kids that first year, and we we took over late, but that first year, who uh, you know, we're playing varsity with almost a JV team and, you know, freshmen playing, sophomores playing, not a single one of them playing because they were ready to play varsity. It was just out of need. So our first focus became what is, what does a varsity athlete look like from a strength and speed and and conditioning perspective? And we built our boards around that. So that was the the first thing. And I, you know, our colors at that school were 
red and black. And for whatever reason, that black color was the one they liked a lot more. They liked, you know, black gear, the black helmets, et cetera. So, you know, for our athletes, we kind of designated the red as if you were varsity ready, uh, you were going to be on that board. And when we hit practice in, um, you know, we've got to do some stuff in June we hit practice in June, you would have a red jersey. And your goal, though, was to get that black jersey on. So the black jersey kind of was maybe more the, along the lines of what you were talking about or those kids that you want 100 of. But we knew at the beginning, like, we just got to get some guys ready to be varsity athletes. They're not all state. They're probably not all league. But just be ready to be on the field. So I think that's just a very important point is that you you kind of tailor it to your situation. And you got to understand and whether you're a first-time head coach or it's the, you know, the second or third program you walk into, uh, past success at, at another place doesn't automatically mean that it's going to be a, a, a plug-and-play and, play and uh, that's going to replicate itself, that there's a lot of thought that has to go into that particular program. There's, there's no doubt. I, I love the black jersey idea. I think, uh, I think Nebraska kind of did that with the black yeah, shirts, black and a lot shirts. of us were kind of simulating that program at the time. Yes, and so looking at that, Coach, I know your whole talk is going to be on developing a program, uh, and we're kind of getting into this whole idea of a, a transition, right? So, um, right. you know, along those lines, when you're taking over a program, what are some of the first things you start to look at to figure out the the direction and the work that you're going to need to do early on. I mean, to to have success uh, in in August, September, October, November, what you do in those early days of your transition is important. You know, uh, even before that that starts, uh, the uh, one of the things that that I've done in the last three jobs that I've been at is, and and again I. I really didn't apply. It was, it was, they had interest in me and it kind of started that way. So it may be different for different people and especially young guys who are trying to make their name. Uh, but as soon as we kind of got through the first part of, Hey, am I interested in this job? And we can go into that if we, if, if, if you want later, but the, once we get down to the bare bones and before I'm ready to accept the job and stuff, uh, I always ask them, Hey, you guys have asked me about my commitment. What's your commitment? And most administrators don't have an idea of what a commitment to, to win at a football program is. And, you know, we live in Indianapolis, so the Indy 500 is big. And I said, in a lot of sports, it's like if somebody wins a dirt track national championship, it's a very exciting time for the people that's involved in that. But if you race, just race in the Indy 500, it pills to comparisons, just race it. You don't even have to win it. And I said, and to win it is another commitment. And, and, you know, to be in that, you know, in that ability to win it. So I, I always kind of start off with that. What is that commitment? And, uh, and I go, if you're trying to win, you know, the dirt track championship, I'm probably not your guy. If you're if you want to be involved in the Indy 500, I'm probably not your guy. If you want to if you want to say we're going to win the Indy 500, then I'm probably that guy. And and we don't obviously we've only won it twice in 36 years, and and we've struggled in the playoffs since we've been here the last five. 
but our teams are ranked in the top two or three. We're one of the teams, I think, every year people think we have, if you were to pick a couple teams who you think would win it, we're always in that discussion. And really, in, in, in high school football, you could almost pick four teams, maybe six at the start of the year, and you're going to be right about 99% of the time uh, who's going to end up in that state championship game. And every once in a while, one comes out of the, uh, you know, from way back. But for the most part, it's people and programs who have have gotten to, through a process. And, uh, you know, I, I think Dabo Sweeney does a, is, is a guy that all of us could look at and go like, you know, that guy wasn't winning national championships. when He just didn't put on his coaching shoes and win a national championship. Took over a struggling program. And then he got it to being a a program that could compete, and then made it an elite program. And it is a process, and it's you don't jump just to elite. You might do it one time, but then you're going to fall back off. And I I think as you as you start a program, you look about how are we going to win at a high level all the time, and uh, and it kind of starts with that commitment by the school. And for me, the commitment is, is what are you going to do to make us different than the people we, we play with and compete against? I had a phone call one time, and it was, a, it was actually another school from here in Indianapolis that had been struggling and was looking to, to turn their program around. And I asked them about that commitment. And then I just said, and I just picked out the four best teams in the state of Indiana, and I said, if you guys are interested in me, you better look at those four programs and understand I'm going to want every single thing those four programs have, the number of coaches, the facilities, the, the, you know, everything that takes to win a program. And I think in, in my opinion, if you come in with that, then you don't, you're not fighting it all the time. And man, there's a lot of coaches that get out because they're just tired of the fight with the community or the admin about what it takes to win. I think most of us know what it takes to win it's whether you kind of get that you're ready for that process for your program to win. I know that's a, a tough one, uh, especially for new head coaches to, to focus on those kinds of things. You get excited about the opportunity to take a job, but very important questions and things to learn right off the bat. And I think an important point too. So as you go in there, where do you aim to be? What's it going to take? And sometimes you, you might be taking over a, a program that, Initially, let's say it is a number of coaches. Maybe they can't provide it, but they can provide a path to that. Like, you know, there's, yep. there certainly could be that. Um, I think you have to have some real ex- realistic expectations of where you're starting. But I think to your point, they better be along you with that and find a way. If, if we can't have it now, how are we going to get it? Because that's what it's going to take. And I think many times, and I've made that mistake before, so excited to take a job that uh, we don't do that work or don't have those conversations. And then, like you said, down the line, there's frustration, not just on your side, but maybe even on the other side as well. Well, yeah, because they, they, they hire you, they expect results, but lots of times they don't understand what it takes to get the results. I, I'll give you a good example. When I was at Evansville Wrights, uh, we had the same amount of coaches at every city school. Well, we were expected to win at a really high level. We were kind of that flagship school 
uh, and we split revenue for Gates anytime we played another EVSC school or Evansville school. Well, when we came in and we drove up the numbers, when we started out pretty low, around 60 varsity players and maybe 20 or 30 freshmen to about 80 freshmen and 110 sophomore juniors and seniors. Well, now I'm coaching with the same amount of kids as somebody who may only have 40 varsity kids and 20 freshmen. Well, we, we had to find a way. Well, the EVSC was not going to change their process. So like you said, sometimes you have to create pathways. And one of the things we did, we had the, the biggest and best golf tournament of anywhere around, and that money went solely to paying coaching stipends. Uh, my my oldest son was my offense coordinator in the two state championships, uh, and uh, he he jokes about the fact that he never got paid for the for the first state championship. He was he was a volunteer, and uh, uh, so sometimes you got to kind of start that process with selling something that's value to talented people. And for Nick, uh, it was about the opportunity to start coaching. Now, my son Derek is in Kankakee, Illinois, and he was the quarterback, the backup for the first state championship and the starter for the second state championship. He was the same way. He became an offensive coordinator, and really for the first couple of years, he didn't get paid. You know, he got, he got a house to live in and some food. That was, that was his pay. <laughs> so sometimes you got to make those struggles, you know, to, to have the success. Yes, definitely. Well, I think another aspect of this coach is you get into a program. At some point, you really need to look at your competition. And I see this happen all the time where a school will just dominate a league and then bow out maybe early rounds or mid rounds of the playoffs and never really get over that hump to be one of those elite teams time and time again. I think a lot of that goes to the competition and, and, you know, it's, it's hard to change your league. Um, you know, the league is what it is, but how important is it as you get into a program and you're, you're talking about being one of the best in the state, being, you know, nationally recognized, et cetera, to increase that level of competition. You know, for us, it's, it's been huge. And, and, uh, I think I've done it every place we've been uh, where we got into a new league and, and the competition was, uh, again, at a high level. Now, again, you have to be careful about that because you got to build momentum if you're really down. You know, when we were at Edwards County, Casey, Illinois was the, 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 the predominant school in that conference and really in the state in 2A football, and they had a Hall of Fame coach. Well, when we got there, it was we, we started playing those guys right away. And I'll, I'll throw out a name only a few will remember, but Jeff Finke, uh, I still remember that 36 years ago. That's how good that guy was. Uh, and we're playing those guys, and we're getting beaten badly. Well, if we'd have played four cases, I don't think we'd have ever got over the hump. We needed to have a weaker schedule starting out to get to ourselves to, to, to where we believed in ourselves to then play – you know, a bunch of elite teams. Uh, when we were at Mount Carmel, we, we started, again, we started progressing that schedule as as we kind of developed as a program. Uh, and, and Mount Carmel has an incredible tradition. 
but that the numbers were starting to fall off, the winds were starting to fall off, or, and you so then you got to stir interest in it. But to to the point of Brownsburg, uh, we were playing two three A teams, and we're a six A team, or three A and a four A team, and we're a six A team. Uh, well, we needed that for the first couple of years. Well, like I said, now we play St. X, who was 24th in the country this year, and Ben Davis is our non-conference games, and then everybody in our conference is a school 3,000. Uh, I think we're, we're actually maybe the smallest or second to smallest. So playing those other people kind of validates your ability to play at a high level. It, it doesn't always equate. I, I can promise you this, you know, like we, we only won one game in the playoffs, and uh, this year, but we beat St. X, who was ranked 24th. So sometimes it doesn't always equate. But for the most times, if you're trying to stay at a at a level, at a high level of expectation, then you got to go out and play people that that have that same kind of goals. One, so you know you can compete with them when it, when it comes down to the important times. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't agree more there. And I know that that becomes a challenge. It's something that every coach has to look at. It's something, you know, that's not always an easy one. Your athletic director sometimes, you know, wants to fill that schedule up as quickly as possible. But, you know, you have to take some of those things into account. What is the ultimate goal for us? Where where do we want to go with this program? And, and again, for you, getting it to that elite level, uh, it's going to take a little bit more. Absolutely. And, and uh you know, for us to, as we were kind of stepping up, uh, Jumpman from Nike jumped in on our, on our program this recently, just this year. So then you start kind of getting the perks of playing, you know, elite talent. They and they want us on ESPN. They want to see Jumpman on ESPN, and and you kind of so you got to kind of get to that process. But again, I'll I'll. I'll always stay by this. You're not going to drive up numbers and you're not going to change the weight room. If you're, if you're, you know, in a competition, that's over your head and a program is not used to succeeding. You're, if you're getting grubbed every Friday night, that's not, that's not a recipe for success either. So I think there's a, there's a great balance because at Huntley, when we took that program over who had historically struggled for many years, uh, we went, I think, six and three the first year, the first ball game. I'm thinking like, oh, my God, what I got myself into. We we were not. But by the end of the year, I mean, we're, we're, we're playing and beating teams that were, were ranked in the state. And so things had changed for us throughout that course of that year. Well, Coach, you're going to be speaking about all of this in detail and going beyond what we've talked about here at the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Clinic. It's really the first big clinic of this offseason here, December 8th through the 12th, a virtual clinic. Uh, tell us a little bit more, I guess, about all of the other things you're going to cover in your clinic talk. Well, we'll get in depth a little bit about our weight program, what we do with, you know, with Elite Form, and I know not everybody can uh, afford elite form. So that'll be a little bit, but also what we do from, uh, you know, we try to win seasons and, you know, our first season coming up here pretty soon uh, will be our speed and strength season, which is the month of December. And, and uh, we really try to drive those numbers up really hard. And, uh, you know, again, we have access to some things that smaller schools don't, but I, I, it really is the same thing. You you can time twenties or tens 
in a gym and start, you know, showing that speed development, you know, showing that strength development. So we'll talk, we'll talk hard about that. We'll talk about how to start the program where we kind of started a little bit about uh, the interviewing process and about the expectations and uh, what I believe it keeps us uh, playing at a really high level at, at all six of the schools we've been at. And I, you know, I, I think one of the unique things about the schools that we've turned around, uh, basically the assistant always took over from, you know, for me after I left and they succeeded at as high level or a higher level than what we did even, uh, you know, as I was there. And, and I think that tells you that, Hey, we built a program. We didn't, we didn't build wins and losses. We built a program that has some strong, strong values. Hopefully, what I share with that will, will help other people and in, in kind of going. Uh, I have numerous uh, guys who have came in and been an assistant for us that have had great success. I talked about my two sons, but uh, you know, if you look back at Huntley, Matt Zimelzak, who took over that job, has done a great job at, at Huntley, and, and they're continuously ranked in the state and done well in the tournament. Uh, Warren Central won two state championships. After I left, uh, uh, Evansville Wrights won a state championship after I left, and uh, Mount Carmel, and all those guys had been assistants of mine. Uh, and, uh, and Mount Carmel, um, Darren Peach, who's a Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion, uh, with the two state championships after I left. Uh, so some of the guys even had more success. So that's, that's a fun part as you make those lifelong friends. Coaches, you can... See Coach's Clinic Talk along with uh, about 130 other coaches headlined by Mike Loxley of Maryland, Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern at ihsfca.coachesclinic.com. I'll put that in our show notes. Your show notes are in your app, the description there. There should be a live link, or you can find those on coachingcoordinator.com. Coach, final question for you I, I like to ask of everybody is, you know, looking at all the things you you do, over your career, um, the thing you, you feel really is that aspect of, of your coaching that gives your players, your team, the winning edge? Uh, you, you know, when I was at Eastern Illinois, Dr. Kat Simplis was my instructor. So, so a lot of the people that graduated from Eastern will remember that name. And the first thing that I think I learned in coaching, that there's you got to have a principal – and you need a great principal. And he spelled the two, how you spell principles, what you believe in, and don't, don't vary off what you believe in and, and build it. And you got to work for a great principal, principal, and he spelled an underlined P-A-L as a principal. If you have those two things, you have started the concrete part of being successful as a head football coach and having a great program. Coach, for our listeners out there, how can they connect with you? Uh, you are. We have uh, BHS football uh, on the Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I should say, and uh, also you can uh, email me at uh, jhart h j r t at brownsburg dot k twelve dot i n dot us, and uh, I'll share anything and everything I have. Coach, it's great to talk to you here again. Looking forward to seeing you at the. Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Virtual Clinic. And uh, best of, of luck to you as you get ready for your next season in 2021. 
I really appreciate it. Man, Keith, what a great, great lineup that Dave Jacobs and the guys have put together. I, I'm reading that. I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I should be cleaning somebody's garage and some of the names on there. So it's, it's, uh, it's quite an honor. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.